Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. presence of God. We're going to be looking today at the Word of God, starting from the book of Philippians chapter 2, and with verse 2. And if uh, you have children, you can dismiss them with my wife. We are filming for CTN channel 47. If you have an antenna starting this Monday, six nights a week, and uh, if you are on cable, COX television, Cox TV, I think it's channel nine on Cox cable, and then several other cable platforms, we're going to be uh, starting this Monday night preaching. So we want to make sure that we're capturing the audio and the video because the Americans need to hear the gospel. Amen. Amen. <laughs> They're inter- entertained. Somebody asked me, why don't you live stream? I don't live stream on purpose. If somebody wants to be lukewarm and sit at home, they could, they could watch anybody they want. They could watch Bishop Jakes. They could watch Joe Lostein. They could live stream with whoever they want. I'm not going to try and compete from that. But if they want to come into the presence of God, instead of sitting on their sofa in their underwear eating Cheetos, saying Amen. And run into the kitchen for a Coke, hallelujah. If they want to come and experience the real presence of God, they have to come here. We're not going to can it and make it accessible for them to be uh, with excuse not to come to church. So that's why we're not live streaming. And uh, I don't know how long we're not going to live stream, but uh, as of now, I do not want to live stream. If people want to come and experience God, and yeah, there's only so much of God you're going to experience on a live stream anyways, tell you the truth. I mean, honestly, God can do miracles via uh, television and live stream, but it is, there's no comparison whatsoever as it is coming to the house of God, being with the saints. There's, there's zero comparison. It does not even compare, so... 
We want to encourage those of you who are watching on television. No, there's no live stream. Come down here to the river, 216 Luther Drive, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. We are a certified Holy Ghost dealers. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's take a look here at Colossians, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 2, and we're continuing on our series that we began in August on the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and last Wednesday night, we began to teach on the anointing, and Brother Brad gave me the license to keep preaching on it. He said, continue to hammer away at it. Uh, Beat that drum. He said, beat that drum as long as you want. So we're going to preach and continue preaching on the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And really, my entire Christian walk for myself since I got saved has really uh, kind of circled around a hunger for the anointing, for the supernatural, for the gifts of the Spirit. And so, like, you'll get some of those Robert Learden books. He came here with all his books, and I bought his books, and I could read those in just a few hours, you know. I have stacks of other books that I just have a hard time reading. But, you know, Robert Learden's books about Catherine Kuhlman and Jack Coe and A. Allen, I just suck those down. I mean, that's just, that speaks to me, you know. It's like a box of fruity pebbles. You eat the whole box, you know what I mean? In one sitting, you're like, wow, that was $4? Amen. But no more Fruity Pebbles starting tomorrow, hallelujah. Tomorrow, I don't know what we're going to have. I can figure that out. We'll have some water, hallelujah. Amen. So Philippians chapter 2, and starting with verse 2, I'm looking at the Amplified, but you could put uh, the King James or whatever you like there. Uh, Brother Sam Park, God bless you. Thank you for serving. It says here in the Amplified that have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, verse 6, we're going to skip down to verse 6 here, and let me look at the NIV too, yeah, it says, it says there, Yep. So start, I'm sorry, it was Philippians 2 5. 2 5. Had the same attitude in yourselves which was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or asserted. Amen. That is humility. You might have the role of authority in a situation, but you don't always have to assert it. Amen. That's called humility. So Jesus, though he was fully God, he did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped or asserted. He didn't walk around like they said of me in the Philippines, I think it was the Manila Times, Bishop Castillo throwing his weight around Manila. (laughs) You know they were trying to, you know... Not get my weight, amen. But Jesus, it says here that he didn't think it was something to, to grasp or assert, but he emptied himself. And the Amplifier says he emptied himself, temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality. So he emptied himself up of the, his divinity and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human, the Amplified says, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. Man. 
I had a fun time last night. We had a Chinese uh, sisters here that were from the Almighty God cult. It's a very uh, powerful demonic cult. And um, I was uh, here while they were, you guys are praying for the, the batch last night. And, uh, <laughs> and that was, you know, Trump and, and Biden and they were going at it. And uh, while you guys were doing that, I was in the, in the sanctuary ministering, mixing all the action, but I was having some other action in here, I'm ministering to these cult people. And um, it just shows you how important it is to know the word of God. Because when you start to debate with a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or this almighty God cult, you have to know your faith. You have to know your religion. You have to know your Bible. Because they'll throw things at you. And one of the things that they threw at my wife, my wife really didn't know how to answer. And so thank God I showed up. But she said, um, oh, you know, the New Testament is not from God. That was just put together at the Council of Nicene and, and, uh, and whatever, 387 or whatever, six whatever. So she threw that out there. And I said, um, I said yeah, if you, if you want to knock that Council of Nicene, that's fine. But you also have to knock the Coptic tradition, the Orthodox tradition, the Syrian tradition, all of these churches that have been around, independent of the Catholic Church, separate from the Catholic Church, that have been around for 2,000 years, also have the same set of books. I said, so you want to just knock the Catholic, you know, uh, Nicene Creed when they came together and they, they looked at these things and said these are books about, but, but at the same time, simultaneously, the Orthodox, the Coptics, the Ethiopian church, these guys are also 2,000 years old and they also have the same scriptures. And she said, oh, I never heard of that. And I said, of course you don't because the cults don't tell you everything. They give you a little bit of truth and they deceive you. And then she's like, oh, could you pray for me? Hallelujah. So we had a mighty breakthrough last night. Amen. Amen. It's the thing when you're dealing with cults is you could tell them the sky is blue, but if they've been told the sky is orange, they see the sky is orange. You know, and that's the power that cults have. And so you really have to, you're doing spiritual warfare when you're ministering to a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon. You're not just wrestling against flesh and blood, but also against demon powers of mind control. And oftentimes, if you're sensitive, you'll notice when you deal with them, you start to feel like a headache. And what that is, is the spirit of mind control that's on the cult that you're picking up and you're feeling. And my wife, from the, when that, the next day after that lady came to my house, my wife the next day had a headache. And my son was having a headache, and I was having a headache. And my wife said, why are we all having headaches? Do we have corona again? And I said, no, no. I said, it's the spirit of mind control from this lady. We're, we're picking up that spirit of mind control. So I told her, I explained to her, and if you look at, ever look at Win Worley's things, he explains the spirit of cult mind control as like an octopus spirit and has many tentacles and it, and it, and it goes into the reasoning, into the thought process. So we prayed for her, we bound that spirit, and we prayed off every tentacle of the spirit of mind control. And she gave me a big hug afterwards and says, I know that God sent me here to Tulsa to meet you guys. Amen. But you have to go deeper. Because this Church of Almighty God cult, what's unique about them is they only evangelize Christians. And they don't just evangelize Christians, they evangelize pastors. So they target Christian pastors because they want to turn the whole church. And they conquer and they win many churches 
They have been, they have been, uh, they've been, it's been said by the underground church in China that they have converted thousands of churches. Stuff that the missionaries like, uh, that, what's that guy's name, that Chinese missionary, Watchman Nee and, and Watchman Nee and this guy, Ip, uh, not Ip Man, Ip Man's a Kung Fu guy. Uh, well, <laughs> the heavenly man, yeah, the heavenly man, Watchman Nee, they've started church movements with thousands of churches and this cult has come right behind it in the last 10 years and have seeped up 30, 40% of all those churches. And they, in one of the, the, their first method, I shared with you guys a few days ago, their, their second method, when they do extortion, bribery, and different things. But their first method is they take some of these scriptures and they twist them around. And then they, and they claim that this woman from Hunan province is Jesus, the second appearance of Jesus. And she wrote a book and that you have to read this new book. And it's just like the Book of Mormons. You know, Joseph Smith says the angel came, Moroni, and gave him a new book. So it's the same principle. So I took her to Revelation, the last chapter and the last verse, that says if anyone adds any more books to this, let that person, let the plagues of, the, of this book be upon that person. And then she said, oh, yes, but because the cults, they train you. I was a Jehovah Witness. And when I was a Jehovah Witness, we used to have a book, a little brown book. Has anybody here a Jehovah Witness before? You too, amen. And we were both in prison. We got a lot in common, hallelujah. Amen. But they give you a little brown book, and it's called Reasoning from the Scriptures. And basically, it's a, a response to everything a Christian would say. So when a Christian says this, you say that. When a Christian says this, you say that. And all you have to do as a Jehovah Witness is memorize the book of reasoning is called reasoning from the scriptures. Memorize that one, and you can pretty much baffle any Christian. Not me. Because I because if you want to baffle me, you better stay up late and get up early. Amen. Because we, we we focus on being strong in the word, amen. But now my wife said, Oh wow. Now I see why I can't just, just read the Bible, have my little devotion time. I need to know the word of God. Because these are not just Christians being swept away in this cult, but pastors swept away and deceived. Because in the Chinese church, they just have a message about sin, 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 sin. Don't sin. Stop sinning. You need to be holy. You need to be holy. Jesus died for your sins. And it's just preaching about sin and holiness and that Jesus died. And they say that's the gospel. And if you preach anything else, they say you're not preaching the gospel. And so now when the Christians get confronted with things about the word of God they never saw before, they don't know how to respond. And all they know is, well, Jesus died for my sins and I'm, I'm supposed to be holy. And because they're always preaching on sin, and they're still struggling with sin, let me tell you, there's just as much sin in a Pentecostal holiness church as there is in, 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 a, in a greasy grace, uh, heretic gospel grace church. Just as much sin. Amen. So they're so now uh, just sin conscious that all, and they're so guilty and shamed by the preaching of this that what happens is when they're given an alternative... Follow this woman from Hunan and she'll break your chains. They begin to get into this. And now the deadly thing about this cult is once you get in, they don't let you leave. And they'll poison you, they'll kill you, they'll blackmail you, and they do a lot of terrible things. It's the most dangerous cult in the world. And I told the lady, if you're a Mormon 
Or if you're a Jehovah Witness, I would say, well, listen, this is what I believe. That's what you believe. I said, but woman, you're in a cult. Uh, uh, you're in the most dangerous cult in the world. I'm pleading with you to listen to me. I told her I slept all night with my gun in my hand. I was exaggerating a little bit, but it was near my bed, I should say. But I, I said, I slept all night with my gun in my hand when I found out you're in the Almighty God cult, you know? But they just simply don't know the word. We have to know the meat and the potatoes and the, and, and the, and the deep things of the word of God. The Bible says, lay not again the foundation of faith towards God and repentance from dead works. Lay not again that foundation. Go further than that. Go beyond. That's what it says in Hebrews. I know you're supposed to be holy. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. I know that. I know he died for my sins. I don't need to preach that in church every single week. So now the church has become broad but shallow. Amen. And now because they have no root in themselves, it's easy to pluck them up and draw them away with itching ears into cults. Amen. So we have to not just read the Bible, but we have to read the Bible. Amen. Let's continue. So he emptied himself of his divinity. Verse 8 says, After he was found outward appearance... As a man. It's interesting here that in verse 5 and 6, how it says that he took upon himself the, uh, the, that of a bondservant by becoming a man. Because you understand that the, 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 the word for body is the word for slave. I explained that to you on Sunday. Then in Revelation 18, when it talks about the body, it means a slave. Meaning that your body is supposed to be slave to your spirit. Amen. So Jesus now had made himself in the likeness of a bondman or a slave by putting on human flesh. Isn't that interesting? After he was found in an outward appearance as a man, verse 8, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on the cross. My question to you today is who... Is Jesus to you? Now, I know that he's not a Hunan woman to you. Hallelujah. Hunan is one of the Chinese provinces. Amen. I mean, you would think that someone who's been a Christian and in church for 20 years in the Baptist church would not believe Jesus was a woman from Hunan. You would assume that. But let me tell you, in these last days, the spirits of deception are running wild. So we have to be ready. And we have to be selfless. And we have to be evangelistic. It's not just good to come in here and prophesy to each other, roll on the floor, preach to each other, and go to, you know, IHOP afterwards. We have to reach the people around us. Amen. So who is Jesus to you? I would venture to say, and I submit to you today, that every single one of us worship Jesus according to limitations. Jesus to us is limited based upon the revelations that we have. And you'll, you, you'll see this oftentimes when, when I was pastoring in Beijing, we had some people that were really good at, at worshiping God, praying and fasting. 
but they were not tithers. And I couldn't understand it. And I would get frustrated. And I would get so upset. Why can't I get these guys to tithe? They were Zimbabwean. I said, why can't I get these guys to tithe? They fast. They pray. They worship. They'll fast for seven days, no food. But I can't get them to tithe. Then the Americans, I couldn't get them to fast. They go on fast and they break the fast. But they were very faithful with their tithing. But they couldn't fast. And, and I couldn't understand what's wrong with these Americans. They can't fast. They didn't want to get up to pray because we were getting up to pray in the Korean church 5 a.m. The Americans didn't want to get up to pray. They couldn't keep their fast. They were breaking all their fast. We were talking about, you know, like how many fasts have we broke us Americans, you know. But, but, you know, I noticed that different people had different strengths. And it really it's about who is Jesus to you. Because if you really have confidence that Jesus is your provider, you'll have no problem tithing. Amen. If you really have a relationship with God and you can depend on the strength of God and go without food, you have a revelation of God as your sustenance. So, you know, who Jesus is to you really determines your Christian walk. The degrees of revelation. There are degrees of revelation. To some people, Jesus is their forgiver. And we have this epidemic or pandemic. It's a pandemic that Jesus is their forgiver, but he's not their Lord. And there's people who Jesus is their Lord and they serve God. But because of their, their, the, the wrestling and the failures of their flesh, they're always under a spirit of condemnation. Because Jesus is their Lord, but they have not really understood and saw Jesus as their forgiver. So you find a set of Christians, especially Chinese Christians, they're always guilty, always condemned, they're always shamed because they don't accept Jesus as their forgiver. They say it with their mouth, they hear sermons preached, but they don't believe that he's the forgiver. They live in a perpetual state of condemnation. But they see him as their Lord. And they see themselves as not pleasing the Lord constantly. Some people see Jesus as their healer and they walk in divine health. Some people see Jesus as their provider and they walk in prosperity. And it's just easy for them to give, easy for them to sow. They walk in the blessings of God. Some people see Jesus as the desire of the nations and they adore him and to the degree of revelation that you personally see Jesus is the degree that you will walk in your relationship with God if you see God as your joy the world has no pull on you amen I was in the world I smoked reefer I drank alcohol I snorted coke and I loved it I wouldn't be an addict if I didn't love it, right? You know, I was an addict because I loved to do coke. My, fa my favorite drugs was coke and LSD. I liked uppers. I never understood people who do heroin and stuff. I, you know, I, I even hate smoking weed, actually, because it makes you tired, makes you sluggish. I want to feel up. I want to I wanna dance and laugh and joke. I want to be peppy. You smoke weed, you just want to lay on the sofa and eat pizza. Amen. So I loved cocaine, I loved LSD, I loved it until I found something that was much greater and I loved a lot more, hallelujah. And when I got saved, I said, wow, this is better than cocaine, this is better than PCP, this is better than, you know, it's the best thing I found. And I left that for the 
for the joy, for the, for the happiness, for the ecstasy that I found in a life with God. If I felt that that was better, I might have not been saved. But I, I didn't get saved because I believed in hell. I was a Jehovah Witness. We don't believe in hell. I did not believe in hell. I got saved because I felt and tasted of the Holy Spirit. And it felt so good. And it was so beautiful. And it was so peaceful. It was the thing that was that missing part on the inside of me that I was trying to fill up by snorting and trying to fill up by smoking and trying to fill up by drinking. And no matter how much I snorted and and drank and huffed and puffed, the devil was blowing me down. Hallelujah. And when I tasted of the Holy Spirit in a drug rehab, I got so excited. I only went there to meet this girl and pass her a note. Do you love me, yes or no? Because I was in an all-male unit. And so the female unit and the all-male unit would meet at the chapel or whatever they had there. So I went to go pass her a note. I was looking for a girlfriend. And I went to go pass her a note. And I got stuck with some people who were evangelizing there. And they barely spoke English. They were Mexicans. But you know what? I didn't need to really understand what they were saying. I felt a warmth when they spoke to me. And then when they prayed with me, I felt something that I never felt in my life. And I got so excited, I stayed there till I was the last person in the chapel. I really was the last person. The security guards had to bring me back. And I got back to my unit, and I shared the, I, was, I didn't even know what the gospel was. I was just sharing, I don't know what I was saying. Because all I knew was what the Jehovah's Witness said. I was preaching to everyone on my unit. Do you know that only 144,000 are going to heaven? That there's no hell, that Jesus is a mighty angel. And I was just preaching what the Jehovah's Witnesses taught me. That's all I knew. But I was born again. The Holy Spirit came into my heart. And I began to save drug addicts. And I began to, there was guys in my, in my unit that were on drugs. And one guy was a fish. He followed the fish. You ever heard of the fish? P-H. They're like the Grateful Dead. But they're the fish. That's another band. And these guys, like the Grateful Dead, they follow them around America. And they just, you know, do LSD and smoke pot. And they follow them around, whatever. Kind of hippie type guys. This guy was one of those fish heads. That's what they call them, fish heads. And I was preaching to him, and he believed in aliens. I said, you believe in aliens? And that's, that, that's to me, that was pretty stupid, you know. But I'm like, all right. And I just, I preached to him, I preached to him, I preached to him. And finally, I told him his name was Gary. I said, Gary, if you don't believe in God in 30 days, I won't believe in God either. I'll leave my faith. I won't believe in God if, if you don't see a miracle within 30 days. So we began to pray together. And Gary would cuss during his prayers. Because <laughs> he didn't know how to pray. He was saying... Uh, he, he would say, oh, F and this, F and that, and S-H-I-T. And I mean, we're in church. I can't even say what he was saying. He would just cuss the whole prayer. And I would be praying to myself real quietly like, please, God, don't strike us down. Please, God, <laughs> let me live. I'm only 18, Jesus. And within a, about a two weeks, his father quit drinking. He was an alcoholic. His family and his mother and father came back together. The marriage was restored. He even went to go pee in a bathroom. And when he lifted the toilet seat, it was written under the toilet seat, Jesus loves you. <laughs> yeah. And he came back. He got saved. I was saving people and I didn't even know the Bible. Hallelujah. 
But I had tasted something that was more precious to me than anything that I've had and all of the vice and sin. I mean, I used to be called the candy store because I had everything. I had PCP, LSD, cocaine, guns, weed. What kind of weed you like? I got Kush and Dro. And I mean, I, I was, they called me the candy store. I had 30 kids working for me. I had everything you needed. And none of those things compared to what I felt when that Mexican, non-English speaking guy prayed for me. The power of God. Amen. And I didn't fall down or shake, but I'll tell you on the inside, I tasted of the heavenly gift. Amen. So who is Jesus to you? It's not good enough for us to just hear And churches I know are preaching some type of gospel. And people are hearing about Jesus and hearing about Jesus and hearing about Jesus. But it's not good enough just to hear. You have to see who he is. And that seeing only comes by revelation. And revelation only flows where the anointing of the Holy Spirit is flowing. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not flowing where he is not honored. When you have to get to the sermon more than you have to linger in the presence of God. When you have to go to the program more than you have to uh, sit there and wait upon God. When the Holy Spirit is not honored, the Spirit of God is not flowing. When there's no flow of the Holy Spirit, there's no revelation. I mean, revelation works to such a point that I could be talking about, you know... Stupid, silly things. I could be talking about, you know, how to make Italian pasta. You put some basil and garlic and and people are crying. Because they're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. I was in Germany preaching and I walked up to a guy and I was preaching and I just was preaching whatever I was preaching. And he messaged me afterwards on Facebook or something. He said, oh, that prophecy, Bishop, thank you for that prophecy. It just changed my life and that prophecy was exactly accurate, everything I've been going through. And I, and I, and I thought like I didn't, I didn't prophesy to him at all. I was just telling some story about how, you know, I met my wife in China, how we fell in love. And, and here, this guy heard a prophecy. But that's because that's how the spirit of revelation works. Think about Acts chapter 2. They were speaking in tongues, but people heard them speaking in their own language the marvelous works of God. It don't matter what I'm speaking. A sinner hears salvation. It doesn't matter what I'm speaking. The sick hear healing. It doesn't matter what I'm speaking. A divine oracle of God is the answer to the heart of man. The Bible says if any man speak, let him speak as an oracle of God. That doesn't mean that you have to necessarily preach directly to them. But you just have anointing of revelation flowing. People will be fed. Matter of fact... I venture to say that it's part responsibility of the pastor to prepare a message to feed the flock, but it's actually Jesus' responsibility by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually feed the flock. And he's feeding you as we're preaching. You, You might be thinking about totally nothing I'm saying, but he's feeding you. He's speaking to you. Hallelujah. I've sat in meetings with Pastor Bill Winston preaching and Rodney Howard Brown preaching. And while they're preaching some off-the-wall topic, God is speaking to me about what me and my kids should do and what we should do next year and what, what kind of evangelism revival we should have. And God is speaking to me himself. God is speaking to you himself. 
even as I'm up here jumping around in a pink <laughs> shirt. Hallelujah. You see, only a few of us were in the spirit. Nay, nay, me, my, my sister there, right? Brother Sam Park in the spirit there. You're in the spirit there, brother. Nice pink shirt. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said it like this in John 8. Turn there. John 8, 58 to 59. Brother Sam Park. John 8, 58 to 59. I love what Jesus calls himself here. It's not good enough for us just to hear who he is. We must see who he is. For us to see, we have to have a spirit of revelation in the church. Hallelujah. Amen. John 8, 58. If we could get that on the screen for the church. If not, I'll just read from the nearly inspired version. Hallelujah. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born... I am. I was preaching. Let me just show you the back to this cult thing. One of my good friends from Atlanta, Georgia, his dad is a very well-known African-American Pentecostal bishop. Pastors a big church in Atlanta because we're on TV, I won't say the name. And his, his father's a pioneer, well-known, great church. And his son who grew up in the church, who went to Bible college with me at World Harvest, Rod Parsley, he's now in a cult called the Hebrew Israelites. He now believes that we are all reincarnated. He now believes that Jesus and is the result of Joseph having sex with Mary. He doesn't believe in the virgin birth anymore. He doesn't believe Jesus is God anymore. And because he's the son of the pastor, he still preaches. So now he's preaching every Wednesday night service. He gets to preach Wednesday night service. He's preaching every Wednesday night service with this little, he wears this little thing on the bottom of his shirt like the Hebrew Israelites wear. And he's preaching every Wednesday to his born-again, spirit-filled Christian church, preaching against the virgin birth, preaching against the deity of Jesus Christ. Preaching that we are all reincarnated. And he's preaching this to a, a, a big church. I think it's about 800 members. And, he's, and they're shouting amen and praise the Lord and amen, pastor. And I th thought to myself, how could you f fall so far from this word? Amen. How can you fall so far from this word? He gave me all these scriptures about how Jesus is, had, is not, not uh, born from God in the virgin birth, that it was actually Joseph impregnated her. And he gave to me about an hour lecture on it until I almost thought like, well, I'll study it out. I said, I'll study it out. And I opened up my Bible, the book of Matthew, and in the first five minutes, it says she was a virgin. She had not slept with him. And when she had the baby, afterwards she slept with him for the first time. It's so clear. But you see the power of a spirit of deception. Amen. Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. He was saying, I am God. How do you know he's saying, I am God? 
without getting into all the Hebrew, excuse me, the Greek here, because I can have my friend Chris Palmer, who's a Greek expert, I can come here and explain to you how that in the Greek tense, you only use that Greek tense for divinity only. But even beyond that, you know that he was saying he is God because look at the next verse. They picked up stones to stone him. So obviously, the hearers knew they thought that he blasphemed God. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. Because in their mind, they knew exactly what he said. They knew exactly to say, I am, that he was saying he's God. And that is blasphemy, and they should stone him. If he wasn't God. Dummies always say, there's not one place in the Bible where Jesus says he is God. You've ever talked to cults like that? They say there's not one place in the Bible where Jesus says he's God. What Bible are they reading? I mean, I had this atheist guy. He brought me like 500 contradictions in the Bible. And I sat down and I, and I, I, I just basically, I Donald Trumped him. Verse 1, point 1, point 2, point 3, point 4. Before I was done, the guy packed up and said, I don't need to hear the rest, and he left. There is no contradiction in the Bible. It's just you have to study to show yourself approved by God, and you don't understand the whole counsel of God. Therefore, you err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. One of the contradictions was, Jesus told his disciples, some of you shall not see death. Until you see the Son of Man coming in his glory. And it said, all the apostles died, and Jesus has still not returned. And I said, well, you almost got me, except the fact John, when he was on the island of Patmos, saw the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon the earth. John, before he died, saw the Son of Man coming in his glory and then penned the entire book of Revelation. There's not a contradiction in the word of God. And Jesus said himself here, I am. Meaning I am God, but even farther than I am God, I'd like to submit to you today, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is everything that you will ever need in your life. He is your forgiver. He is your provider. He is your sanctifier. He is your baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He is your deliverer. And if you're still bound by the same sin, it's because you haven't met him as a deliverer. If you don't speak in tongues, it's simply because you haven't met him as the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. And if you're not healed and you're sick, it's because you have not met him as the Son of Man arising with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. His name is Joshua. It means Jehovah's salvation. He is I am. He's everything that you need. He says I am. Hallelujah. You need a new car? Hallelujah. I am your new car. Amen. You need to discipline your children? Hallelujah. I am the rod that will drive out rebellion. Hallelujah. You know you better spank your kids with an anointing. Because if you just spank them in the flesh, it don't work. But if you say, I spank my child in obedience to the word of God, and I expect the anointing to drive out the spirit of disobedience. <laughs> totally changes. Say it's a game changer. Hallelujah. 
Jesus is everything that we need. So our quest is to grow in the revelation of Jesus' manifestation to us. Hallelujah. I need to find my Jesus as my dietitian. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, and I need to find Jesus as the, the purchaser of this building. Hallelujah. I mean, he is everything. So everything that we need, we just need a pursuit of Jesus. And that's why people sin. They lie because they think that they have to do something that Jesus can't do from them. They cheat because they think that they have to do something for themselves that Jesus can't do for them. All sin is based upon not knowing how to receive from God what he had already destined for you to walk in. Amen. Hallelujah. I was first saved on Friday night. I didn't know what to do. I was so used to going out to party. Now I'm a Christian, and it's Friday. I was born out of my mind. Until we just got together with some Christian brothers and found the Holy Ghost, and we started having prayer meetings and intercession. Then we go to the 24-hour Starbucks, and we play cars, and we evangelize the Starbucks, and then go outside the Starbucks and lay hands on the homeless people. And, and before we knew it, we were partying longer than the sinners. They leave for the bar at 4. We'd be up to 8 a.m. They say, hey, let's go for breakfast. Hallelujah. I had a crew of about 20 friends. We were Holy Ghost assassins. Before Bible college. We were just 18, 19 years old. We were ripping up the city. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I, we discovered in our loneliness as a young Christian, we discovered Jesus is our joy, our celebration. Hallelujah. We discover that there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. Hallelujah. Get to, to hell with this 45-minute, 90-minute service. Let me go home as soon as possible so I can pop in my TV dinner. Amen. They still make those? <laughs> I was listening to Jerry Seinfeld talk about TV dinner. The hungry man. He said, the hungry man TV. He said, they made TV dinners just so you get so sick of your life the way it is that you would go for your dreams. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Jerry Seinfeld's a funny guy. Hallelujah. We found Jesus is the joy of a young man's life. And my crew, we were not a bunch of nerds from the church. I mean, my, 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 my posse, whatever you want to call them, one of them was an ex-black stone from Chicago, killer, crack dealer, locked up for a dumb homicide. Me, I was leader of my gang. Another guy was this handsome-looking Latino playboy that now is saved and sanctified. And another guy was a Spanish cobra, which was my enemy before, but now we're, you know, in the gang, now, we're, now we're best friends. I mean, you know, my sister and their friends. And we were cool and good-looking and hip, and we were gangster, but we were Jesus. Hallelujah. We weren't a bunch of nerds wearing ties and vests and stuff. <laughs> Amen. And God bless those nerds. There's a place for them in heaven. Hallelujah. Those would be the ones that before I was saved, I'd turn them out. You know, I'd make a good boy bad. Hallelujah. Amen. But Jesus saved me. Hallelujah. And I feel bad. You know how many people have contacted me? They used to call me Big Ride. I said, Big Ride. Man, I'll never forget you. You're the first one to, 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 you know, turn me on the drugs. And I felt terrible. I saw, 
man, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry when I think about all the lives that I ruined. But all I was doing was sharing the joy that I found. And that was all I knew. So I was sharing that. And I got saved. What's going to make that any different? Now that I have Jesus, I'm just sharing the joy that I found. You know, I, I don't have to get my shirt and tie and put my Bible under my arm like, they, like the Baptists do and just go out there like I'm some kind of religious freak, you know. I just go out and we just hang out at the gas station, just share the joy we find. Or the Walmart, just share the joy we find. Love on people. And people are touched, crying, as they're so blessed to be encountered by people full with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I don't want nothing else in the world. Hallelujah. Now that I've found something, Jesus, who is he to you? He's my entertainment now. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm excited to sit at home and read my books on the anointing. That excites me. Hallelujah. He's become my joy, my entertainment. He's become the love of my life. Hallelujah. Who is Jesus to you? Everything that you need is found in the I am. And Acts 10.38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. The early church father Tertullian would have been one of my homies. I tell you, he would have been one of my homies. Tertullian once said, what is greater than to seek divine revelations, to perform cures, to exercise evil spirits? He said, these are the spectacles, these are the pleasures that befit a Christian man. I would have loved hanging out with Tertullian. Hallelujah. When I read that, I said, that's my boy. And I printed it off in the printer. I put it on my wall. Hallelujah. That's what excites me is the presence of God, the anointing of God. The anointing is what I seek after, what I long after, what I don't want to do anything without. The anointing is not in it. I'd rather stay home. And there's been plenty of times where I didn't go to church at all because there was no anointed church in the area. And it was sad when I got to Beijing. That's how it was. No anointing anymore. The anointing replaced with programs and systems and smoke machines and lights. But no anointing. There's one thing that I desire, one thing that I seek after. That I would dwell not only in the house of the Lord, but in the house of his presence. The presence of God needs to come back to the church. And that's, that has to be the goal of every service, every prayer meeting, that we get a hold of his presence. Because that's all we really need. He is the I am. I want to take you a little bit farther into this discussion about the anointing. And I want to explain to you the difference between the kairos and the chronos and the hurrah. These are all different Hebrew words and Greek words concerning time. And I want to explain to you how Jesus transcends time. But today, we don't have the time, hallelujah, to get into all that. But we will do this. We'll get into it next Wednesday. Plus, I don't have to prepare another sermon for next Wednesday. It's already prepared, hallelujah. 
Amen. That's how the pastors cheat. Just, you know, don't preach at all. Hallelujah. Amen. But in all seriousness, you and me, our entire life from today to the, when I'm old or whatever, what we produce in life, how far we go in God, what we partake of in God is simply dependent on our revelation of Jesus. And I can preach he's a healer, he's a healer, and it's a healer, like I talked about the Church of the Ducks, and we could all walk home sick. Because it's not the obligation of the, of the pastor to preach it and convince it to you, but it's our obligation to hunger to know him in that way and to seek him. You don't need to seek me or a prophet or a man of God. You need to seek him. Hallelujah. And then we need to teach people to seek him. I went to my pastor, Bill Winston. I asked him to pray for me to stop smoking. He said, no. I was offended. I said, what kind of pastor doesn't pray for his sheeps? But he was teaching me how to be a man, so to speak. He was teaching me how to go to God myself. And he said, I want you to take the foundation class. And if you're still smoking after that class, then I'll pray for you. Well, he knew that after I got the word into me, I wouldn't want to smoke anymore. And that's what happened. I began to meditate those classes and those scriptures. And before I knew it, never wanted to smoke anymore. Amen. See, we need to get a hold of Jesus. Instead of telling people you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, let's tell them, let's learn the word of God together. Come to my church, let's learn to worship together. Let's enter the presence of God and things will begin to change. Hallelujah! You can be a 30-fold preacher, a 60-fold preacher, or a 100-fold preacher. A 100-fold preacher preaches the word unhindered, undiluted, and then lets the word do the job. A 60-fold preacher will preach against the Leafs. You ought to not be doing this. You shouldn't be going down to the casino. You shouldn't be, you know, and, and preaching against all the Leafs. But if you just preach the word, the Holy Ghost will clean you up. Hallelujah. And now your salvation don't rest upon the pastors and the religious and the community pressure to be right. But now your relationship with God is between you and him. And it's your intimacy with God that defines you as a Christian. Amen. And when Boo Boo the Fool comes to tell you some goofy doctrine, you'll say, wait a minute. I know that's not right. Like this young Chinese girl, Sharon. She's been coming to our church, taking the foundation classes. She's taking them in the video and everything. And when this cult lady came to her, she said, I don't know everything that she's saying. She seems right, but, but, but since I've been coming to your church, I know what she's saying is wrong. I can feel it in my spirits. Amen. Because we need to teach people to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. Because that will last. Hallelujah. When your pastor puts on a mask and shuts down the church and quarantines because he's afraid of some virus, and you following him, you're in trouble. Amen. Amen. My pastor, he used to sit under Fred Price for a while, and Fred Price got a little bit off, and he moved. Bill Winston moved. Left Fred Price with Brother Copeland. And he said, if Brother Copeland gets a little bit off, I'm going to move from Brother Copeland. He said, because I have to stick with the word. Amen. Amen. And 
that should be our priority. Stick with the word and seek Jesus. Amen. Because he is everything we need. Hallelujah. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus is my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way. Like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that can follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.